You are listening to the What A Word podcast, an interview style podcast where guests bring their unique experiences and insight on culture, life's challenges, and faith. Each episode is seasoned with words which will inspire and encourage. Now here is your host, Ryan Sharp. Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Water Word Podcast. It's a beautiful Sunday. Hopefully where you are, that you're enjoying a new day. It's early and um, my guest was um, willing to meet me at what I would call an ungodly hour on a Sunday. And I'm happy and honored to have uh, my guest, um, Mr. Osric Brathwaite on the podcast, a good friend of mine. He's an entrepreneur. He's also a podcast host, a motivational speaker, and I recently learned that he's also ventured into the area, or expanded rather, into the area of fashion, and we'll talk more about his respective companies. I was sharing with Osric, also known as Ozzy the Lion, and I may refer to him as all of the above at various points in the podcast, (laughs) but I'm honored to have him, and I was sharing with him that my bishop preached yesterday from Acts chapter 16. And I had to really reflect on that message. He spoke about uh, Paul and Silas and um, what they intended to do. There were two regions where they wanted to go to preach the gospel. And each time they were told, not here, not now. Uh, So it seemed like a failed mission in essence. But then uh, Paul got a vision a man in Macedonia was saying, come here and preach. And he obeyed the call, followed that vision, uh, committed to the mission, and in turn, ended up uh, preaching the gospel to a jailer and his family who all accepted the gospel. And I was talking to Ozzy about that. And I said, you know what? Um, I think about podcasting and being a creative. And I I don't want to be inflexible to the point where I'm so um, caught up in numbers and views and um, comments and feedback that I forget what the mission of this is. And we are both committed to the mission of spreading light in darkness, encouraging people, uh, reminding them of their value, um, uh, being supportive in any way we can. And and through the, the medium of YouTube and podcasts, just uh, inspiring people and lifting them up and um, doing what we can to make uh, the lives of individuals better. So Ozzy, just just share on that if you could. I know we touched on it earlier before, but a welcome again, brother. I'm so honored to have you. What is it? Man, it's, you know, what jumps out to me? First of all, uh, Ryan, thank you so much for having me on the Waterword podcast. Um, it's definitely an honor to be on this space uh, and share it with you. I saw a lot of great episodes in the in the past, and I'm happy to finally have an opportunity to niche my own episode. So most welcome, man. Most welcome. Long time coming. Long time coming. Yeah, we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. This is gonna be this is gonna be a good one, man. Trust me, this is gonna be a good one. There's a long time coming. So what I what I can um, gather from that text is. You know, when the when the intention is correct, 
the follow-up and the results will be true, you know? Um, because a lot of times as creators, we start out projects and we, we said we have these ideas and we have these dreams and these visions. And then they don't, they, they're stopped by, by an unforeseen roadblock where you cannot have planned for it. You could not have said like, this is gonna happen. But, you know, just like how, you know, Paul and Silas were, had one intention and God said, no, nah, y'all going to go this way because this is where your uh, purpose needs to be. And this is where your power is. And this is where your work is. You know, a lot of times, even for me, sometimes I have to slow my brain down. I'm like, listen, I got, I'm about to do this. I'm about to do that. And it's like, I can put out so much content. It'd be overwhelming. So it's just like, sometimes I have to say, I dial it back a little bit, you know, um, let's give the, the, the people are going to appreciate whatever you give them. So you don't have to give them so much all the time, so fast. So, um, with Paul and Silas and this jailer, you know, the God knew what the real mission was for them. Right. And sometimes, you know, we get a feeling and we get excited, but God's like, nah, you, you need to be going over here. This is what I'm going to take this vehicle and I'm going to turn it this way so that you guys can be more fruitful over here. Because when I first started my podcast originally, it was specifically for the, in the realm of just like dating and relationships, right? And then I realized I started doing episodes with individuals that were recovering, not very recovery from, from abuse, marital abuse. Um, first time being able to speak up about it, I gave them the platform to do it. People that were dealing with drug abuse and um, all different type of things that recovered from it, gave them a platform to, deal, to, to, to speak with that. So there were, I realized that I'm allowing people to speak about traumas that they're going through in their lives without even, without even connecting like, yes, this is why I started but I gave someone an opportunity to speak about something that they went through, you know? So it, and now my new vibe is value. What value am I bringing to the listener? Like if one person sat down and listened to the podcast, what are they taking away? Cause there are a lot of people that are successful right now for mainstream stuff. They're talking, they, they're talking filthy on the podcast, they're being vulgar, they're, they're talking all about crazy topics and things like that. And people somehow, because of the way the world is set up, are, are, are attracted to this type of, of, of podcast, right? But I'm like, nah, when everybody's going right, I'm going to go left. Because at the end of the day, that's going to be forgotten in a little bit. But, you know, being able to change somebody's life for the better I think that will be memorable. And I think Paul and Silas will never forget that uh, it, that um, a, a occasion of being able to help this jailer, bless his family, help his family to be baptized. And that jailer in, 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 in return will never forget that situation. Awesome. The people that they were intending to baptize, the millions of people that they were attending, they probably would have forgotten and Paul and Silas wouldn't have remembered them because it would have been so much, you know, and we don't want to, we, 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 we all know growing up in, in, uh, the Christian church and, and specifically Adventist church, 
Um, a lot of times, unfortunately, we can get caught up in numbers and play the numbers game. How many people have you baptized? How many people go to your church? How many people are doing this versus the quality individuals, that one individual, the two individuals that have gotten baptized and have changed their lives around versus the multitude of people that got baptized because it was a fad, you know, or because it was something that everybody else was doing or it was a feeling they had in the moment, you know? So that's my my, my five cents on, on that. Man, that's heavy, bro. Because, you know, in, in light of what you said, they were true to the mission as they understood it. But being impactful also requires flexibility and being open to what, you know, what's, what's happening. Like, if, if they had committed to just the early missions and then said, you know what, this is a wrap, it's not working out. And, and for us as creatives, as you rightfully said, there are a lot of podcasts, a lot of YouTube channels with, with high views and the content is not always redemptive. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, you know it, it's something I, I, I reflect on, man. Like, would you do this if only one person was impacted or one person responded anyway? Because it's hard to measure impact. But if only one person responded or you got one like or one download, yeah. would you continue doing it because you're passionate about the vision that you have uh, to improve the lives of others. So it's a powerful word, man. And I appreciate yeah. your, your, your input on that for sure. Yeah. So, um, Guyanese born Brooklyn raised. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. What was Brooklyn like for a young man from Guyana, man? I was young then. Um, and it was, it was, it was like never diving into cold water and finally doing it for the first time. It was, it was a, it was a shock, but in a good, in a refreshing way, because being so young, your mind is able to adapt to the changes a little bit more, a little bit uh, better, you know, than someone that's coming over older where they're grounded in their culture, they're rooted in their ways of old, I was, I came at that age where everything was fresh and new and I, and I liked it. And I learned, I mean, Brooklyn is what runs through my blood now because of what, all the things that I've learned and all the experiences that I've been through and all of the knowledge that I've gotten, I've all, I'll always rep Brooklyn, you know, even though right now I'm currently in Dallas, Texas, but I still rep Brooklyn till this day. As far as you can remember, what accounted for your um, staying in church, et cetera? Because I think when I met you, you were on the preaching circuit heavy. Um, yeah. As far as I knew or understood, you were not um, like a theology student, but you were getting a lot of youth group engagements. You were preaching heavy. Yeah, um, so that was, well, my... You know, my dad is a is a pastor. I don't think you can, even though he hasn't, he doesn't preach as much. My everybody knows my uncle, who was a uh, recent um, at one time your your pastor, uh, Pastor Easton Marks. I think it's just in the blood. And when I when I say that is when you're around what people that are not 
relatives of pastors or or have pastors in their immediate family like these guys the good ones live breathe eat and sleep pastor like my uncle for instance i this dude doesn't stop like his passion for being a pastor when you guys don't see what goes on behind closed door he has his laptop on him 24-7. He's always preparing a, a, a series. He's always preparing a sermon. He's always on his laptop making sure that he puts together something that is so awesome. And guess what? It's still going to be scrutinized. It's still going to, people are still not going to always like what he has to say, but his passion for it is second to none. And I developed a you know, a, a gift and a talent of, because believe it or not, regardless of what you want to call it, you know, being able to deliver a, a great word is a gift and a talent. You know, you know, there's a lot of people that will go to Oakwood and go to these uh, Christian seminary schools and things like that. And they're just infatuated with being a pastor. But if God hasn't given you that gift, you're still going to end up not at the top of your game. You understand what I'm saying? So that was a gift that I got. And I started pouring into that gift and, and, and using it to, at the time, people were, this was pre-COVID, so, and I also in New York. So I just realized that I had an ability to do what I called rel like r relative preaching because a lot of times, man, for lack of a better phrase, we have ministers and pastors and evangelists that will preach down the house, but not be relative to what people are really struggling with. And that was my, like, that is what I kind of was realizing. People are struggling with real life, everyday addictions. Um, they're dealing with abuse mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, they're dealing with uh, a lot of different things that are real life. And if you can't spin a sermon to connect to that individual that's going through that everyday struggle, that's going through that, you know, battle with whatever addiction that they're dealing with, that's going through uh, the, 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 the home being in turmoil, because the thing about us is that we can come to church and we can present ourselves to look a certain way every Sabbath, you know, and that's not really what's going on. So you got to, you got to preach the sermon like you're being transparent to the fact as though you yourself are not perfect. You yourself are not, you don't have it all figured out. And when you come saying, hey, I'm a broken vessel that God is using basically to get this message across. I also struggle. I also am not a perfect individual. I think people relate better to that stance of messaging and preaching. And that's what I was doing at that point. And that's why the youth, I was getting calls left and right. There was one summer, I think it was 17, where I think I preached more than, I think I preached the whole year. Like I had a few, I had a few weekends to myself. So that's powerful, man. You know what you touched on is um 
So, so, so I'm gonna tell you what I, I, I took away. I took away a number of things. I think you're indicating that some of the best uh, preachers preach from a vantage point of not where they are, but where they're willing to go. Because they're also dealing with the tension, with the, the struggle, with the need to overcome, all of that. But you're also speaking to some of the tougher audiences because youth and young adults are not just going to take any old thing and say good, <laughs> especially with their frequency. It's relative preaching. Um, unpack why relative preaching is so important. I, I, you touched on it, but many people don't understand what relative preaching entails. Yeah, relative, relative preaching is the ability to say, hey, I understand we live in a world of social media. I understand that you guys mentally are bombarded by so many images, thousands, millions of images a day. You know, I understand that God doesn't seem to be the dope thing anymore. Church doesn't seem to be cool anymore. But with all that being said, I know that the reason that you're here, whatever, it's, it might be a crusade, it might be that Sabbath that you're in church is because you know that there is something else there. Even if, even if your mind is saying it's being distracted, you know. So how can I, relative preaching is saying, how can I connect to that individual that literally left the club at six o'clock this morning and came to church? What am I saying to that individual that still is going to leave church and go and roll a fat one. What am I going to, you see what I'm saying? Like I'm talking to those people that is, you know, still that in church and they, they are with their hangover. You know what I'm saying? Or they're dealing with a, a habit or, 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 or they're dealing with the, the addiction of lust. You know, what am I dealing? How am I going to talk to those individuals? So relative preaching where, where the gift comes in, right? the spirit of you know where you can where you can go and find certain verses in the bible and certain stories and make it relative to what somebody's going through because the bible if you know how to i don't want to say finesse but finesse the bible in a way where you can say all right i'm gonna connect this story to this current problem that's going on and I'm going to preach about it. Like I remember one time I preached a sermon called Silence of the Lambs, right? And- So you took the cultural reference from a movie. Right. And right. that's 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 a whole, that's big. That's that you, you won your audience 40, 50% by your title. Title is key to- bringing that spark of interest like why would he preach a sermon called silence of the lambs but the sermon was about the lack of sexual education in the church the lambs are silent about the things and the promiscuosity that's going on in the church we're not speaking up about the leaders who are preying on the young women and young boys in the church we're not speaking up on the leaders that are preying on each other that are coming up every Sabbath that are preaching to the people, but you have so much other things going on in your closet, silent. And then I use some 
some data of, of situations that have happened in churches, whether it be, you know, sexual molestation and things like that. And no one spoke up about it because it was church. So that was the premise of the sermon. Um, that sermon caught so much attention. I, the sermon caught attention before I even preached it. Because check this out. When um, the church that I was preaching it at uh, posted the, the uh, original title of the sermon, which I don't remember. I don't remember the original title, but it was controversial. Like the call, the conference called the pastor of the church and told him, hey, we're going to have the 86 that title and have like it was that serious. So that's how I knew that I hit a nerve because here's the thing. Jesus hit the nerve of the scribes and the Pharisees all the time, you know, and at that time, what some people that are not avid you know, Bible readers and things like that, the scribes and the Pharisees were the church at that time. They were what considered, were what would be considered the church. So Jesus rubbed the church the wrong way a lot of times. Through storytelling. Right. He rubbed them the wrong way through storytelling and it upset a lot of people. So me speaking about the fact that, you know, sexuality is not highlighted enough in church, still to this minute, this second, it was something that kind of shook the community of, of, of the church and which I have no problem with because I'm not going to, you know, I have no ties. You see what I'm saying? So. It's a good illustration, man. And, you know, one of the things I'm cognizant of is that we, and I spoke with a guest about this last week, um, we can really exist in a bubble if we think that when it's right for us to present these controversial topics, it will be right for the audience. But my Never. kids at 11, 8, they're learning stuff from their peers that is so much more advanced than when I was their age. They have Absolutely. exposure to so much on devices, etc., that we really have to be in a place where we are, as we touched on Act 16, we're flexible to the mission and what it entails, and we're open to adjusting so that we are meeting people where they are and we are relevant. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think you hit it on the head, man. You did, you did, you did. How was it for you, man, growing up in Brooklyn? Because it couldn't have all been peachy for a church kid growing up where everybody believes the greatest rapper alive was born. Um, what was it like for your parents dealing with a young man coming of age in the planet of Brooklyn? Well, that's a great question, man. Um, Brooklyn, like you said, Brooklyn is a country by itself, right? So growing up in Brooklyn, in church, um, you definitely were not the, the cool kid when you were in school. Um, at first, you know, you got called, you got called thing like things like church boy, um, you know, and I was fit for, I was always wearing glasses. So, you know, they used to call me Steve Urkel. Um, and, but, you know, the thing about it is my dad, my dad was, a, my dad is a very tough individual and he instilled in me, uh, rightfully so and wrongfully. So I can get we can get into that about how to be tough, you know? And so 
my my growing up per se in the church luckily for a long time i went to excelsior which is a church school in brooklyn um and i went from i was there all the way until eighth grade so a lot of the normal issues that would happen in elementary school and junior high because because you're you're in a public school i was able to not to kind of avoid that but then when i went to eighth grade you know now this is a whole new monster i'm going to a public school i'm i'm i'm, I'm seeing things that i didn't see before uh you know like a kid got shot in my class and this is all brand new you know it's this is brand new for me so i um had to make a lot of adjustments, you know, uh, taking the, the bus by myself for the first time now because Excelsior was literally walking distance from my house. So for years, I walked to school. It was literally four blocks straight, four blocks straight, no turning, no nothing, straight back and forth for, for years. Now I go from that to now getting on the B12, going all the way, you know, so it's, it was a lot. It was a, it was a crazy change. However, my parents did the best they can to keep me in. You know, I started playing the drums at a young age. And I think that is what kept me in church in the early begin the beginnings of, of, of playing, playing the drums and being, you know, very involved in that. And then it became uh, now as I'm older, being involved in certain things in the church, like either the Pathfinder Club or uh, the different the music department now being able to run the music department and things like that so was it the transition it did take a switch you know it wasn't easy it wasn't like you know people are like people in your school asking you like you know why you you know why you can't come here on friday or why can't you do this on friday and you're kind of stuck between trying to trying to receive that 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 notoriety and that that popularity from what the world thinks is cool like why you know did you see that episode of whatever whatever that comes out only on saturday you know the all the best cartoons came out on saturday and where were we on saturday in church so we weren't seeing all the new cartoons we weren't seeing all the new shows and things that were coming up because we were in church and i imagine you were also um getting some of your social cues from rappers too which there's a tension between hip-hop and the local church very often. How did you manage with balancing both? So let me tell you this, right? Like I said, I was I started playing the drums at a young age, right? And hip hop, you try to infuse whatever you can. So there's a lot of times where, you know, I'm playing a song and then I would insert a certain beat into the song where after church, you know, somebody would come up to me and be like, hey, I know that beat you were playing. You shouldn't be playing that in church. And it's like, you know, so that was that, you know, where the drummer always got criticized for playing whatever beat that they shouldn't be playing. And um, you, you're dealing with, like, I used to listen, like, Biggie is still one of my favorite or if not my favorite rapper today, still, you know, and I, you know, I have a different opinion or uh, I look at it as, as art, to be honest, because being a creative, you, you start to see things a little differently than like, if you know, you know what 
can rock your salvation and what takes you away from where you need to be. Um, and I think a lot of the things that we put up so much emphasis into, God really doesn't care about those things like that. You know, like God really looks at your heart, man, and, and how you treat people and how you feel about people and how you feel about him and that relationship. You know, comparing, you know, obviously we're not going to say, listen to the, the crazy explicit, you know, I'm going to murder you, shoot you in your head type of lyrics. However, some these guys are creative. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say that Biggie and Tupac aren't creative individuals. They're very creative, you know. However, it's how you see the art. Are you going to delve into it and, and, and get wrapped up and that's all you think about? Or are you, can you appreciate it and say, hey, that was a pretty good bar, but, you know, leave it right there. And I think that leaving it right there part is, is kind of hard for people at times because they get involved in it so much where it's just like you, 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 you're eating it, you're drinking it, you're sleeping it, it's all in your head. You know, I can hear a song and be like, oh yeah, that was a cool bar. And then that's it, you know? The other thing so, too, man, is, is, is like, as you said, you and I, we don't live in a bubble. We live in spaces where we talk to cats who have different point of views than we do. Some of those cats I love it. curse. I love it. They curse yeah. in regular conversation. But yeah. it doesn't mean they don't have things of value to offer or things we can take Absolutely. away. Absolutely. Like, because just this past weekend, everybody's talking about how Jay rhymed for like four minutes on Khaled's song on his latest Hold it. Hold it. Yeah. Yeah. Hold I, it. I heard Hold it yesterday. And People are blown away that this old, quote unquote, old cat is still connecting and still sharp as a soul. Oh, Jay, Jay, Jay's still a goat right now. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. People might see this podcast and, and have an issue with that comment, Jay, because <laughs> at 40, at 40, what, 40, is he 45? He has to be, man. He has to he's be. Like 45, 46, yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, that, four minutes that he just he went nuts and i'm like yeah he's still a goat right now like, i don't like because why why i give him goat status is like he doesn't even have to do it but he can you know what i mean it's like yeah while other dudes is in there constantly trying and making records and doing all this kind of stuff jay will go in there and just do that in one take and that's why he's the goat in my opinion <laughs> i'm blown away and you and i can touch on this. I'm blown away by the gifting, the creativity, and the talent in some of these cats. Like I watch Battle Rap, for example. I'm amazed that these cats can go for minutes at a time Me off memory. The punchlines are, are ridiculous. Double, yeah. double entendres, and sometimes they're freestyling in the moment. Yeah. All memory. All memory. Like I am yeah, blown away the by the gifting of these young cats and women who are creatives. And I, you know, in all honesty, man, I don't believe we can discount what they have okay. to say and what they have to offer because we don't agree with the delivery or some of the language choices. Because a lot of value is still in it, man. I want to piggyback on that, right? Rap is the world's window into black culture i mean i don't think i and think black that's just pain, man and black pain yeah man. yeah like and, and and i mean culture in the sense of you getting to see it from all you get to see how we see the world how we feel 
when the world treats us a certain way. And these guys are talented enough to put this on a beat, make it sound good, know how to use their words and new use innuendos and, and triple, like you said, double and challenges and things like that. It's just, it's, it's amazing. What, 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 what can you say now to the young Osrix? Because as I referenced, at the time you were in Brooklyn heavy preaching for youth groups and churches, you were probably sensing something about our culture that caused you a lot of concern. Has it ramped up now in 2022 where you're like, this is, this is absolutely nuts. If we don't get in there and get involved or give relevant um, messages or connect uh, in authentic ways with these young people, we stand to lose a whole generation. Is, is that one of your concerns now when you look back at the young Osrix and Osby? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, so that's another great question. Um, when I look at, when I look at what, what I can say to my young self and when I do the comparison, right? I, I, um, when I look at the young people of today, you know, given the fact that now I'm older, I'm a father, uh, I'm, a, I'm a wife. I mean, I'm, I have a wife. I'm a, I'm a husband. And you have a deeper concern now for where the world is going, right? Because you look at young people today. And for instance, I saw a, a young kid yesterday, just, just yesterday, right? And he was dribbling a ball as he was walking up the street. And you know, kind of like what I used to do in New York. I say, hey, I say, hey, man, you know what to do with that? And he kind of like timidly put his head down. And that bothered me. I came in and I told my wife, I'm like, that bothered me. And instantly um, I read like this kid's whole bio just from his actions. I said to my wife, I'm like, he probably doesn't have a father in his life. Or if he does, his, he's probably a, like no kid should like I said, you know the difference with New York? I said, a young kid his age dribbling the basketball, which I've said that to many a times. I'll say, you know what to do with that? And they'll say, yeah, man, come on. You guard me. I'll cook, I'll cook you up. You know what I'm saying? Like that confidence. And I love to see that. I'm like, all right, little man, you got it. But when I didn't see that from him, it was just kind of like I'm bothered in so many aspects and so many facets. You know, I'm, I'm bothered by how involved men are in the community. First of all, I, I, my point, my POV is always gonna start with the man first because I'm a man, right? So how involved are black men in the community? How involved are we in creating a community for black men? Because we are taught, and this is what I was talking about with my dad, which I'll reconnect now. My dad is a great man, but he taught me to be Hold everything to the vest. Don't be emotional. Stay strong. And I'm like, I called him a couple of years ago. I was like, Pop, you, you, you shouldn't have never told me that because that messed up a lot of decisions that I've made in my life. As men, we gotta call each other and be like, Ryan, man, listen, bro, I, I'm going through X, Y, Z right now, and I just wanted to talk to somebody, you know. And you, as another black man, have the, the emotional availability to say, all right, Oz, hold on, let me just go in this room. Let me, 
let me separate myself so I can connect with you and give you all of my time and energy. So, you, so support I'm not empathy, man. Yeah. So, so that part of our culture is lacking, right? So then it trickles down into the family, the family structure, right? If the father or the male figure is not balanced, because we just look, the society just looks for strength and provision. You know, the man has to be strong and he has to be able to provide. Okay, but balance is a key because we have a lot of providers that are strong that are not balanced emotionally. That's why they're hitting on their women. That's why they can't never come home. They're outside cheating. That's why they're never spending time with their kids. So your man has to be available emotionally as well, right? So I feel as though that that's what I look at when I look at the young people. And I started seeing it back then as well. I started seeing that there's a lack of, even in the church, there's a lack of compassion for the young people. There's a lack of understanding. You know, there's get to divine hour, get to Sabbath school, get to, to, to AY, because if you don't go to those things, you're not going to heaven. Who said who? That part of church, I never understood. You know, those parts are essential. Yes. But stop telling these kids that that's the only way to, to, to salvation because that was your way. Understand what their way of. I always say this: Don't tell them how you, where you like where you are. Tell tell them how you got there. A lot of people like to say, you know, they stand up, their Bibles and their nice suits, and they speak about where they are currently. You're not going to connect with anybody like that. That's why these entrepreneurs, when you see them, they like to leave the blueprint of how they built their empire. Listen, I did this. I connected with this because they don't care because they 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 they're not going to take their money by using their structure. I, I reached out to this person. I did this in my business for this amount of years. Then I, I attained this, and this is how I built where I am at this million dollar or billion dollar company. But I feel like in in our in black societies and in, in our churches and things like that, we don't like to leave the blueprint of the struggles that we've been through. So that the young people, the ones coming up underneath us and behind us can say, oh, let me make this left here because they made this right here and it was the wrong choice, you know? So I just feel like that, that understanding, you know, I'm saying, I see, you, you know, and I would say that to the young Ozzy too, like, I see you and I, and I feel you because sometimes that's all that matters. Somebody to say, listen, I see you, man. I hear you, you know? What a lot of people don't know, Doc, is that the years, those years that I was giving back and pouring into so much people, those were the years that I was the most broken, Doc. I was the most broken those years, the years that I'm preaching and tearing it down. Wow. I, myself, those were the words. I was so emotionally damaged and broken those years. Mm. And people... They, when they look, when I say that, they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I was, I don't know. I, 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 I always ask God, like, how is it that those were the years that you used? Because I was broken those years. You understand? Messed up. Mm -hmm. Emotionally. Messed up. God is still using what they say, broken crayons, man. Yeah. yeah. So, Ozzy, somebody has tapped into what you said about... Uh, speaking to youth groups, doing motivational speaking at the time you were most broken. 
And they're having difficulty now because they're in that season where they feel broken and they feel they have nothing to pour out. Could you talk to them about what you were experiencing and what you also experienced when you poured into others, even though you, in your mind anyway, your vessel was empty? Giving, giving is healing. That's what I would tell that individual. Giving is healing because I had nothing emotionally to give. But then when I preached a sermon one time called What's Love Got to Do With It? And in that sermon, you can tell that the enemy was mad about that sermon because I had a woman in this, in this congregation, I had a heckler. You don't get hecklers in sermons too much, right? Because I was speaking about the, the difference between raising uh, raising an uh, American kid in a in a Caribbean household. And what you have to understand is that you, you're in America, you're not in the Caribbean. Your kids are not going to be Caribbean kids. Regardless, of, they may have those little essentials and things like that, but they're American kids. They're, they're raised in cultures and the, norm, in, in the norms in the land of America, the society of America. It doesn't matter how Jamaican or Trinidadian or Guyanese you try to keep your house, they go to school with American kids. They're playing in the park with American kids. Whatever they do outside is American kids. So their culture is going to be more weighed on them is America, right? So, you know, she stood up. She was like, well, I'm going to raise my kid. How? And I'm like, well, you know, it's a sermon. So I'm most still preach it. Regardless of that, at the end of the day, a gentleman came to me after and was like, he was almost in tears. He was like, man, you know, I'm going to go home right now and tell my family how much I love them because this sermon made me realize that I need to tell my my kids and my, my wife I love them more. That's it. That right there. That is the reason why you do it because you don't know how much more somebody else is struggling that you know, you don't, you don't, you don't know that they can be struggling worse than you, you know, and that's why I, I've done it, you know, to see young people crying at the end of the sermon because they I've connected with them. That those that's what got me through being able to connect and realize like, hey, there's other people that's out here hurting just like you. There's other people that's out here broken just like you. So keep doing it, keep going. And they're listening and they realize um, I'm not alone, someone else. Yeah. Right. Is either right. going through and well, understands. And understands. Yeah. 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 So wow. So in the in the midst of all of this, man, um you you ventured now into one of the most challenging uh forms of creativity, the podcast. Tell us about the reasons for the HDH podcast and um talk to us about that venture, man. What are, what, what, why did you start it? And what do you see as your vision and mission in terms of podcasting? Well, I, I, um, I started it originally for, for, for relationship aspects, right? I started it originally. So the name, the HDH, the long version of that is heal, heal the heart, you know? So that's what it stood for so the the, the tagline and the, the passion and the drive behind that was more so you can't heal the world you can't heal the nation 
You can't heal the community unless you heal the heart first. So it starts with the individual, right? And when it first started, we were talking to a lot of people about relationship issues, stuff that they were going through in relationships. However, I still felt like there was something bigger. You know, like relationships are a good part of it as well, but I felt that there was something bigger, right? That's when we started venturing into what people are going through that they may not have had an opportunity to speak about, like marital abuse. We had a young lady that spoke up for the first time about the abuse that she went through when she was married, being thrown down the stairs, you know? had a chipped tooth because she was thrown down the stairs by her husband, her ex-husband, beat up in front of her kids, you know, got her, her hand slammed in the door because he was trying to get in the, I'm talking about beautiful young lady. This guy is just abusing her, right? So then when we had episodes like that, and when we see how people really locked in to tell their story, I knew we found something special because at the end of the day, using the platform to tell the story of other individuals, so many other like-minded and people that went through situations like that were going to tap in. So the vision that I have for the podcast is to be a platform where people can come to and know that they're going to receive value, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in starting a business, whether it's in uh, issues that's going on in the world, but it always lands on a form of healing. Like we always land on a healing point, you know, because everything needs healing. There's, there's healing in everything. So that is the vision. And my goal, you know, call it very ambitious as I want to, my goal is to be a top 10 podcast. That's the goal on, 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 uh, on Apple Apple Podcasts and Google Pod, my goal is to be a top ten podcast. You know, and that's that's the vision. That's what we're going to strive for. Why not, man? I mean, if you're dealing with matters of the heart, I believe it's well deserved, man. I saw a quote, a video clip, uh, a number of weeks ago, but I I sent it out to a bunch of friends of mine just yesterday. Uh, Tank is talking about what people fear, and he's saying it's not the violence and the dysfunction. It's the love, because when you have love in the families and we are united, people fear that. And, yeah. and that resonated with me, man. And I think um, you've tapped into something, obviously, where you're dealing with heart issues. And, you know, the word says out of the abundance of the heart, you know, the mouth speaks. And I think yeah. um, if we could get people to connect to what's hurting them and getting that support and empathy, Man, man, um, my wish is that your territories will expand, man, and you'll be able to Likewise, my brother. reach far. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Talk to us about um, your entrepreneurial leanings as well, because you're not only dealing with heart issues, you are dealing with a complete person as well in terms of fashion. I never knew you had a fashion background, man, but talk to yeah. us about what, what that entails. Oh, man. So that was a dream that I had since I was a kid, man, to... To, to have my own fashion line. And I wanted, you know, and the thing about it is the first one that I, I started, it uh, I scrapped it. I called it, a, you know, I called it a failure or whatever you want to call it. This is my third attempt, you know, and people don't understand, you know, I, uh, 
when you when you start something, you sometimes you gotta fail. You know, you people hear that all the time. Sometimes you gotta fail to be successful, right? And you gotta try and keep once you keep that consistency, that's when you'll find that lane and that path to really do well at what you're doing. So the right now the name of the 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 line that I have is called Lumiere. It's uh, L-U-M-I-E-R-E. It means light in French. And um, it's by HDH. So if you're looking for it, it's hdhlumere.com. Um, and my reason behind that is be, is that fashion today, you know, it's very perspective. You know, it had, it's, it's, it's whatever you like. So I know that there's a niche of people that are looking for healing, looking for positivity, looking for uplifting, um, looking for just positive energy, positive vibes. So when, when, when we created the brand Lumiere, it's light, you know, and a young lady asked me the other day, why, why did we shoot the beluga whale as one of the, uh, as one of the main logos? And I said, well, the beluga whale, number one, it's one of the most graceful creatures in the ocean. Uh, it's white in appearance. Um, it's, it's, it's just, it just fit. And I just love the way that the, the, the personality of the beluga whale, the beluga whale has saved people in history from drowning, you know? Uh, so I just felt like that was the, the persona and the, and the, and the logo that we wanted to go with, you know, but, but behind the brand, it just, it's just a brand. Our tagline is, um, light up your fashion because, at the end of the day, when we when you put on our clothing, we want you to feel like you're being an inspiration. We want you to feel like you're being a light. And we want the clothing to mean something, you know. Uh like different brands mean something. Like when you when you hear just do it from Nike, you feel motivated, like, yo, I'm I'm just gonna do it. Like whatever you're gonna do, you're gonna do it. That's more uh enthralled in the sports line of because it's like it gives you that motivation. So light up your fashion is more so light up your day, light up, you know, your, 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 your mood, light up your, your, your wants, your needs, you know, anything that you put on, you know, the meaning behind it is I want to give light. I want to give inspiration. I want to give love. I want to give, you know, peace. All of those things are coming through light, you know, and another aspect of it, light was the first thing that God created. So, you know, that's why we went with him there, man. He said, let there be light. And there was light. So, awesome, so many man. things tie into why I, why we created that brand. Um, a little background on why fashion was, um, I like, you know, I've always, that it fashion feeds my creative competitiveness if that makes sense. I don't know, those people that are creatives, like we have this like, this animal to feed <laughs> when it comes to being creative, right? And fashion, when I look at all the other fashion designers and fashion brands and I'm like, okay, I can do that. My version of that, but I'm gonna do it a little better. I'm gonna tweak it a little bit. I'm gonna, so it's just a fun way of me staying creative, keeping my mind sharp, keeping my ideas sharp and then putting something into the world where people can be a part of the movement and a part of the idea and a part of me, you know? So 
that's where the whole fashion idea came from. Powerful. Ozzy, I'm going to ask you to do two things for me before we close. One sure. is to list all your handles, ways people can reach you. But I also want to use, um, it's something you said a while ago about uh, failing to get to success and how that's a necessary part of it. Um, I like to think about the, uh, the driving analogy, the learner's permit, et cetera. And I often ask my guests to talk uh, to a specific group, but I'd ask you to speak to two groups. And one would include um, the young person who is learning to drive and why that needs to be a permissible thing. And also the adult who is concerned about the young person crashing the car. So they're reluctant to hand over the keys. And we're gonna tie that analogy into the church that we are currently a part of. So give your handles ways people can reach you, but I want you to speak to that young person who is desirous of having the keys. They may not even know it, but giving them the keys and allowing them to fail would lead to success. And the adults, the mentors, the sages who are like, you know what? I'm reluctant. I recognize that reluctance. I want to change it. I don't know how. I don't want him crashing the car. Right. So speak to that for me as we yeah, go. Yeah, sure. Appreciate that. Well, my handles, uh, man. So my personal handle on Instagram is Ozzy the Lion. That's O-Z-I-D-A-L-I-O-N. Ozzy the Lion. You can find me there on Instagram. Um, the podcast is H-D-H pod on Instagram. Very simple. H-D-H-P-O-D underscore. H-D-H-P-O-D underscore. And the, the, um, my Instagram for the clothing line is, let me pull it up again because I want to make sure I give you guys the right thing. It is, you can either type in Beluga Drip, that's B-E-L-U-G-A Drip, or Lumiere underscore H-D-H code. Spell Lumiere for them. One more time, it's L-U-M-I-E-R-E underscore H-D-H-C-O. And you can find the clothing line there. And that is our Instagram. Um, yeah. And the YouTube channel, how can I forget? The YouTube channel is, um, the YouTube channel is, it's HDH Network. HDH Network. That's the title of the podcast, the title of the YouTube channel. Um, so that's Hot David Hot Network. Yes. Hot David Hot Network. Okay. Yes. So those are H my handles. HDH. Okay. Yep. HDH Network. Those are my handles. You know, thank you guys are in advance for connecting. Let's connect. Just let me know uh, that you followed me from the Waterword podcast. I would definitely like to know that you came on and you followed from that, you know, because uh, Ryan is a great friend of mine. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've had great energy from the first day that we met until now. Appreciate you know, it, bro. Same. Great energy. Great individual to just know, you know. So appreciate it, man. Um, now talking to the 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 learners permit driver. Uh, when you get in, you know, I'll I'll speak. I'll I'll answer this question like I'm speaking directly to that individual. When you get in the car, you're gonna be nervous because this is the first time that you might be driving a vehicle uh, that's not in a car, in, in a parking lot, 
Um, so you're going to be nervous. You're going to wonder if the other experienced drivers are going to, you know, take advantage of you, you know, or you're going to wonder if the other experienced drivers are going to, you know, drive you off the road. But here's the thing. If you stick to the fundamentals, everything has fundamentals for the beginner and the advanced. Like using your signal, everybody's going to know you're making a right. When you 10 and 10, was it 10 and six or 10 and two, you know, you got to get a better control of that vehicle for beginners and advanced. Um, follow the speed limit. It's for beginners and advanced. If you don't follow the speed limit, you're going to get into an accident. If that's if you've been driving for 50 years, if you've been driving for five minutes, there's a reason why these rules are in place. Follow the rules, stick to the guidelines of the road. And you'll be all right. And when you and what you realize is that as you continuously drive, you're gonna get better. You're gonna feel more comfortable. Anything you start in the beginning, you're gonna feel nervous. My first, my first podcast episode, I didn't know what I was doing. My internet was trash. My camera was horrible. Uh, I didn't, you know, my everything was just all over the place. But guess what? Staying consistent will help you to get better. And I'll plug in a little story real quick. Sometimes you may get into an accident. That doesn't mean that you're a bad driver, right? Here was my accident along the way. People that were involved in my podcast, it started getting too much for them. And a lot of them started feeling entitled, right? So my first go around those of you that will go to my YouTube channel, you will see that I only have six episodes up, but the podcast has four seasons, right? Individuals felt a way about not going in the same direction. And they told me that they didn't want me to use their likeness on the podcast. In business, that is an accident. That is an issue. That's You, you, you have a content now that you can't put up there because of other people. So what did I do, right? I could have stayed down and depressed and whatever you want to call it, but I used that opportunity to rebrand the podcast, right? I rebranded the, the logo, I rebranded the name, and I rebranded the direction that, I, that I'm going in, in terms of what, I'm, what am I able to do? So don't look at an accident as a setback. Look at it as an opportunity to become better and go in a better direction, you know? Now, for the adults or the people that are advanced driving, you know, at times you forget that you got into many accidents before you got to where you're at. You know, let's not forget that. At, at times you forget that you have way more traffic violations than the one that's now starting, right? Because at one point in your life, you felt as though you got it under control and you were speeding to work and the cop caught you and gave you a ticket or you were driving without your seatbelt and the cop caught you and gave you a ticket. So let's not forget that the story of Mary, that the, the young lady that got caught in the act of adultery, remember what God, what Jesus did. He's, he wrote out the, the sins of the individuals that were there. And the Bible said that they left from the oldest first, meaning that the oldest individual had the most sin so let's not forget that, right? 
So you may be looking at this person like they're going to crash the car, but they don't have half as much traffic violations on a on record. They don't have half as much tickets. They don't have half as much you know, seatbelt tickets and all those kind of things going on. So give them a chance because when and if, we don't want them to get into an accident, but if they get into an accident, trust me, either they'll, whatever they got into an accident about, they'll never do that again. If they were on their phone, they won't drive with their phone again because that's the experience. They know that the last time I, I drove with my phone and I got into an accident, the pain that I felt, I don't want to feel that pain again. So now I'm going to put my phone in the glove compartment or I'm going to put my phone down. So it teaches them experience. So you want to give them an opportunity to get that experience to become the better driver. That's, 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 that's my, my analogy. Powerful, bro. Powerful, man. And listen, you can use that learner's permit, man. I give you full permission. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you tied it in, man. Awesome, man. Osric Brathwaite, entrepreneur, podcast host, motivational speaker, father, husband. Thank you so much, man, for joining me on the Word of Word. Thank podcast. you for having me, man. It was a pleasure. Most welcome, bro. Most it welcome. was a pleasure. Most welcome.